Hi, Sam. Hi. Guess what this is, Sam? What is it? I believe it is a fairly queer podcast. Is this a podcast where two fairies discuss things fairly? A fairly queer and queerly fairy. A queerly clear. Something. Clearly queer and queerly clear. It's true. I'd, I'd like to think so. <laughs> All right, Sam. It's, well, good, it's, good, it's good to be back. It is great to be back. Jeremy, Sam, Jeremy locked me in the basement last week, so. But Sam, you're into that dungeon stuff, aren't you? Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. You have a point there. What are you drinking, Jeremy? This is a kombucha because I'm trying to, like, not be a full-blown alcoholic like some of the people on tour so this is a touch it's a cherry plum kombucha mm. i quit sugar recommended i really love kombucha it's good for my poo hole cherry plum mm-hmm. uh you're on heels that's of hell. what i call it <laughs> <laughs> you're on heels of hell right now before we jump into um our topic for the day how's that going the tour mm-hmm. it's uh long we are about uh, 20% through it. So we have 14 dates. Uh, we only did four of them, but four is a chunk. Yeah. And um, we have quite um, an exciting cast. Um, and I guess it's, it's exciting. It's work. It's tiring. Um, tonight's my last night in a stable bed for a number of days, meaning the bed doesn't shake because it's a tour bus. Oh, but, right, right. You're in Berlin yeah, right yeah. now, right? No, Glasgow, Scotland. Oh, wow, fancy. Yeah, and so I'm double fisting with a cold, lovely kombucha, and I also have my uh, Numi uh, ginger turmeric rose tea. Yummy, 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 yummy. I'm having some... Okay, um, this is not an ASMR. Some lemon tea. Yeah. I yeah. guess we aren't getting totally skunk drunk like we did for the first four, huh, Sam? Well, I mean, in our defense, you, you were visiting me, so we were kind of celebrating. celebrating. And also, that's when we recorded the first four episodes of the I'm publicly inviting Sam for um, a California visit because I'm yeah. making my winter so we can have a whole load, butt loads, full genitalia loads, full <laughs> of good, good things, adventures, and other things to be had. If only Sam will come to California. I will, I will. I am, I am figuring out the trip. Right now, I have um, some work to make that money that I need to complete. I'm doing some, uh, this is gonna be so boring to our listeners, but I've been making um, these little booties that are for antique cars uh, with uh-huh. my friend. He's been going to car shows and showing off these little booties that we created. Um, so I have to like get like 20 sets of booties done. But after the booties are done, I'll come right over. I'll be oh, there. I'll get on the next. I'll get on the next plane over. over. Sam. Then my booty will be all the way in California. Mm-hmm. I just uh, that sound, that crazy sound. All right, Sam. So do we just want to hit it? Uh, it's yeah, let's um, hit it. Okay. So I sent Sam this um, article, and it, this is the beginning of a request for my friend Derek. Sam. Yeah. So my friend Derek. Um, he um, responded to my inquiry, my query. Your query. Actually, truly. Um, and it is about um, Velvet Rage. Mm-hmm. So I just thought because we were talking about sexual health and uh, mental health and healthcare, which are just brimming with um, current activity and ongoing activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and just really important as we get into the holiday season and through the winter time that we will do at least um, a couple of sections on what this velvet rage thing is. And then we'll get into, um, I'm going to pop the, uh, the social media up because it's a Saturday night and I feel all right. And um, 
the U.S. will be in daytime, so maybe we'll just, I'll take questions from Instagram and maybe Twitter and see how that goes. I keep on forgetting, I mean, obviously you're on tour right now, but <laughs> I, I totally forgot that you're in like a way different time zone right now. What time is it where you are? It is 10.24 p.m. Wow, you're burning the midnight oils. Kind I of, did. I'm supposed to be up during this time. This is my work shift. My work right. shift is, is like- have, Today's your day off. 12. Yeah, the one, the one no traveling day off. The one, yeah. the one and only. So you sent me some of, uh, some excerpts from the Velvet Rage before we started for me to read over. Or it's a summary of it. And yeah. what I really think, what um, it is to me because I haven't said that like, oh, we're doing a book review. This isn't a book review. This is a concept that I'd like us to work out in our own fairly clear way. Mm -hmm. So Velvet Ray are these, um, the spectrum of, uh, you might call it a collective dysfunction. Collective dysfunction, collective uh, mental, sexual, and other health um, imbalances, and for me as the witch, um, the hurdles of uh, shame, blame, and guilt that queer people and, of course, there's plenty of uh, people who don't necessarily identify as queer or maybe you're queer adjacent. I like to say queer adjacent. But the point being that, that with sexual health and mental health, like this kind of is a very clever way of uh, giving it a terminology and a kind of space where now it's, it was, it was like written a number of years ago, but now since Oprah um, put it up on a platform, it's starting to get more currency, which is great because sometimes you write something and it doesn't really get much traction, but it's not for the moment, but for a future moment. So I think that's a nice segue into this this section on what we call like velvet rage and and what I also want to call velvet compassion. Like there are specific things to being gender and sexuality variant. And so let's hit it, Sam. Yeah, some of the things I took away from the excerpt, or not the excerpt, the summary that you sent me was, so actually it's interesting because in our previous episode, you and your friend, I forget his name, I'm so sorry, what was Mark. his name? Mark, had talked about, Mark um, on Whimsically Volatile, how they had interviewed uh, one of the cock destroyers, and she had spoke about how she, you know, was so happy to be part of the gay scene or the gay culture now and be celebrated, which was great to hear, but I yeah. couldn't help but think, this is the cynic inside of me, that it's not, you know, there's a lot of expectation within uh -huh. the gay culture. Of or insincerity or, or not insincerity. feeling, right? Yeah, that and that's really what celebrate insincerity away. sometimes. So we're like, we give a lot of, we get a lot of uh, lip service, right? Mm -hmm. There's even, there's even like club nights called lip service. There's a lip service in San Francisco. <laughs> there was a lip service and room service and all the servicing going on. I mean, I do like to get nightclub culture. Me too, Sam, but mm -hmm. maybe it could be consensual in the ways that it can be. You know, I like consensual servicing. Mm -hmm. Interconsensual service is fantastical. But um, I do think about this a lot because I think like one of, my goals for this ongoing podcast is that like uh being truthful and the activistic role of truth is very yeah. important to me so yeah. like and also from our past episode accountability as well yeah i yeah, don't want you know i feel like a lot of this podcast is celebrating gay culture and being queer but also it's important yeah. to uh, shine a light on things like what this, what Velvet Rage is talking about as well, which is a lot to do with expectations in terms of how you're supposed to be looking or really just feeling, I don't know. I, I really spoke to me because although, you know, I go to the gym every day and I'm trying to bulk up and 
I would consider myself a fairly, a fairly attractive, a fairly uh, conventionally attractive person in a lot of ways. I understand the, uh, the desire that is pushed upon people within the gay community to be this kind of idyllic version of a gay man and having, you know, perfect partner, perfect life, a job that makes six figures, all of these things, which aren't particularly attainable, um, at least not Oh commonly. yeah, as we're going through all this socio-political economic tomfoolery, mm-hmm. just wait until Scorpio season. I know. We're going to get into some extra real shit. I agree, Sam. And the same thing, it's like, I want to be concise so we can get as much dialogue mm-hmm. in, but I, yeah, I spent most of the first 30 years of my life just, just feeling icky about certain things. And then it still comes up. Did you I'm feel not, like you had body but, issues? Oh yeah. I totally have some form of body dysmorphia, but because like now that I'm in my thirties, I feel more attractive than I ever have. But now I know that, the human growth hormone is waning from my body and it's very much a class and an access issue about who gets, who gets human growth hormones or who gets um, uh, fillers or who gets these things so that we're constantly doing this upkeep to say that we aren't aging. Aging is one of the beauties of being a soul in a material form, being a consciousness in material form. We're all going to die. I find it rich, by the way, that of all of the people you would be talking about aging, because you look like you're 23. You know, you are. Thanks, Sam. Like, but this is you. You've stopped aging. I just don't know what's happened. Well, twinks blood does (laughs) the body good. You posted these pictures of like, oh, me 10 years ago, and I'm like, are you sure that wasn't like you yesterday? I know. This is why (laughs) this topic is really, really. deeply important to me because mm-hmm. no matter whether I look better than someone who's just starting in their 30s right like it, that doesn't stop it like and the judgment I feel for other conventionally attractive people because I I do I like geometrical things I like symmetry mm-hmm. I always have as a, as a kid who who was good in art class I just it wasn't perfect but I had a I have a actually have a really strong sense of visual wholeness. But as the older I get, the more I expand that. So it's not just kind of circles and ovals and, and these classical proportions, that there's so many beautiful proportions out there. I just started following an opera singer who's just a real um, body positivity and fat positivity um, uh, activist. So I think there's always conversations to be had. We talk about these things where the conversation often gets very bipolar and we're swinging from one end to the other. That like, oh, because I'm, because I'm, not, I'm not a large body and I'm not a fat body, do I get a place at the table to even um, uplift my curvaceous and, and body beautiful friends? Because we're all body beautiful. It's just a matter of, it has to be to me from the inside out. If you're mentally and emotionally and spiritually working for balance, then that's going to be, then whatever you are on the outside does not need to fucking matter a pinch. But we're all, but we can go back to the early episode about social media. Yeah. And how like, gosh, I have such, I have about two dozen crushes right now. Mm-hmm. And I need to like chill out on Instagram about like bludgeoning uh, my, the people I have um, crushes on, on social media and like deal with my, deal with my desire issues. And desire is such a Scorpio archetype, but really like we're in this season, we're like starting to get more introspective. So like, I want people to know that like, for my part, this, this is an ongoing issue. And we can always bring up Velvet Rage 2, 3, 4, because it's certainly something that I want people to know that I care about listening, being open to, and keeping an ongoing um, community conversation about this issue. Because we are two white people on the skinny side of things who, know that we have a certain amount of privilege but yeah i 
I'm, I need to put out there that I want to make sure that um, as we grow and we have guests, that there are people whose mission and whose um, experiences I want to be heard, that we want to be heard. So this Velvet Rage thing is about dealing with um, the feelings of lack of self-worth, lack of self-esteem, when it comes to being queer in societies and families that we know we feel are not gonna, we feel don't accept us. Mm -hmm. So there's like so many different versions of this, Sam. And it's kind of, I honestly, it's like kind of, hard to pinpoint it but the best place i always say the start is to go from the inside out so maybe sam if you're willing to just focus on a, like a like a triad of um uh thing triad of of particulars in your journey that you're working on to like in terms of like self-discovery of my appreciation of my, my body or yeah, self-love self-love body mm-hmm. mind etc okay well yeah okay so when i was in high school i always remember this very particular time where i i never really considered myself particularly attractive yeah uh, because i didn't style myself in a way in which was conventionally attractive and I had this when I was in middle school. No, excuse me, not when I was in middle school. When I was a uh, junior, when I was a junior in high school, I was very lonely. <laughs> I was the only gay on the island, so to speak. Uh, if you watch, listen to our political episode, you might have a little bit more uh, insight as to how my high school experience went. But anyway, yeah. I wanted to peacock. I wanted to be able to draw people into my circle um, so I could find a boyfriend, essentially. So I started to style myself in what was a a universally accepted, attractive kind of facade. So what was that? Can anyone guess? It was about 2008-ish. It would have been da, 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 the Zac Efron oh style. <laughs> oh yeah, you turned yourself to uh, an Afronite. I turned myself yourself into, into a Disney prince. I, yeah, well at least I tried. So I got the haircut and the whole thing, and you know, and it worked kind of. Um, but despite your spiky anime hair, Sam. Despite my spiky anime hair, that came much later. Okay. So that was the beginning of it, but even then. I never like particularly felt sexy or attractive or any of those things. It wasn't until I moved to New York City and I became a go-go dancer that I got a lot of affirmation because I was, you know, up on a box and uh, people wanted to essentially tip me for showing my body, which was great. Like I I won't sugarcoat it. It was great. I felt really, really great. I felt like, you know, the only one. And that really helped me a lot in terms of starting off a positive sexual and body positive feeling in my own life. I, the first time that I was like, oh, like I, I, I'm, I'm really attractive. And I, that sounds kind of pompous because, you know, there's plenty of people, especially with muscle, like gym bunnies that wouldn't, bat an eyelash towards me I'm far too thin but I started to appreciate all of those factors of how I looked more than ever you know okay I'm thin but and I have like extremely pale skin but I started to enjoy those aspects of myself rather than like having to be jacked up tan kind of guy so yeah I mean that was the beginning and I think it's been pretty consistent since Uh, I, I would say as I've grown older, I'm 28 now, the major factor has, it's sort of been a combi- combination of the two things. The combination of, okay, I recognize that I am attractive for me and to a certain extent conventionally, but also there are things that I enjoy and aesthetic choices that I like to make that aren't necessarily the norm and aren't necessarily uh, 
what is universally accepted as being beautiful or handsome or whatever or uh, beauty, beauty gender pronoun that you want to use yeah. um and i started to adopt those things as well i used to have yeah. hair you know down to my back because i wanted to grow my hair out for three years and you know i i <laughs> walked all the way to where i'm uh recording this podcast in a beautiful pink and purple wigs by vanity and i felt great <laughs> so you know you want to get a lot of attention in shelbyville kentucky you know wear a big pink wig it's gonna work so i don't know you know it just yeah. it, did, it became not so serious anymore i yeah. didn't feel like i needed to peacock because i was became more comfortable with all of the factors of my sense so you know and i i but i also recognize that i do have certain aspects that would be considered conventionally attractive. So uh, I, I have a, I have, I have a person of privilege in that sense. Anyway, yeah. I've gone on and on and on. How about no, you? I, I, <laughs> again, it's very important to like lay out our perspective so as to not like leave things out when we know it's like, when it comes to the cosmic uh, credits that we get here on earth in this world and it, historically we we've been given a lot of we've been given a lot of grace mm -hmm. by being of the of the color of skin that we are and of having a certain pl a pleasantness of features that can go a long way in certain influential right. uh, uh, slices of society I think that's my um, that's my way of like trying to make it accurate for me. But um, we get into um, how again that not the not feeling enough and the the queerness and the outsiderness that um, we're in a place right now where these things get discussed at a rapid pace and we hope that there's going to be some quick return or instant gratification out here inwardly in our communities that these things um are just better now oh we had a quick conversation and it's better now but yeah. we aren't on a fucking hollywood set and this is the issue that i'm concerned about as someone who's deeply in their 30s right now that um Sometimes things take time to heal. Like my issues of feeling like my body is um, attractive to enough kinds of people that I am attracted to. Mm -hmm. And also like trying to uh, gauge how to say, you're a beautiful person. I'm just, it, it, you're, you're not, you're, but you don't turn me on. So even though you think I'm- How dare you say that to me, Jeremy? Oh, Sam. No, we were friends. We are friends, Sam. <laughs> and um, if anyone could see the video conversation right out, you, you'd, see, you'd see that Sam is being very cheeky right now. May I? Uh, I want to butt in, though, because uh, okay. I, I do want to make a, a little commentary on what you're saying, because yeah. I, I do think that what you experience has... Uh, and you can correct me if I'm totally off base, but it has a little bit to do with your environment. You know, you're in and out of LA and you're certainly within uh, an entertainment industry that caters to the idea of this idyllic version of gay beauty, big muscle. Yeah, now that there's drag, now that there's drag. Guy with a nine inch dick. Oh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Can I just tell you that the few times I've had sex with, with this sort of magazine. Mm -hmm. It's magazine, never particularly great. A sexual object, a, a, a sexual self-objectifying creatures who do this for money or so that things can be advertised. It has not been the best sex. Mm -hmm. Especially if someone who's generally always gotten a, a pass with some sort of advert traditional advertising style beauty and aesthetics i have talking not of, always been i have not been deeply impressed so talking about um out there talking about the uh little summary that you sent of yeah. the um what was it called again the velvet 
The Velvet Rage. The Velvet Goldmine. No, the Red Velvet Rage. Oh, no, that, no, that's a, not only <laughs> that's is it, a good one. that's a good, that's a good film yeah, and good. Um, a good title. But yeah, talking about The Velvet Rage, I think a lot of what it alluded to is that it's a power dynamic as well of mm-hmm. people feeling like if they can look a certain way and get a certain type of person that looks a certain way that says something about who they are and i think that that's something that's rampant in the gay community yeah this is another status thing and how long how far can i encourage anyone to google back like on societal satire in literature to see that we are constantly having a tug of war between people who think they make the rules and then bully people otherwise so that they're always in a the power dynamic is that there's someone who's better looking than you, who's who who either was born that way, who or who worked really hard, and then they're really kind of still imbalanced about it because they worked so hard to get this way. So don't you tell them. I'm asking for conversation, and I'm also asking for some very um, humbling listening experiences on my part and outwards about people's about people's hurt and people's wounds mm-hmm. and, uh, from the queer community and from ourselves outwards. So yeah, about feeling not enough, about having to radically transform your body and not necessarily wanting to do that, right? Like, is it, is it a, a hero's journey? Ooh, sorry about Ooh, that. I'm gonna turn my phone that's on okay. silent. That's something exciting. Um, but is it a hero's journey to go from someone that um, people, uh, p- people trained by television and movies not to overlook or be a character, the funny comic sidekick who's of a certain body and a certain this or certain that. And Hollywood just keeps on pumping these things because they've got, they pay psychologists and researchers all this money so that they know what our tendencies and our reactions and then our desire mechanisms are going to be and when we take the time to unplug from that we are going to feel more empowered and when we gather outside like like sam and i have in queer communities where we're working on these issues mm-hmm. and confronting these issues not exclusively with radical fairy community they're very contentious as a matter of fact but any community that gets you any combination of out in nature, off the technology. It's a balance, you know? I love how we can do this and connect with everyone. But if we're imbalanced in the ways that we sit with our own self and then sit with others who we want to have committed community relationships with, then like, then we got a long way to go. I have a long way to go. We have a long way to go. We do have a long way to go. Yeah. And speaking of long way to go, we're going to take a little break. So we will be back with you in a little bit. Awesome. See you in a bit. See you in a bit. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we were the epitome of truthfulness, honesty. When did it die? Started holding back inside Egos built at our pride I did not speak I felt so weak And now we're at Impasse At last I can say goodbye to yes We're back And we're back Welcome back Yes, welcome everyone. So Sam, um, this has been an exciting journey and um, you have some more things to say about rites of passage. We were talking about <laughs> Halloween so there, a rich and wonderful experience. Uh-huh. And uh, until, until like, it just another one of those like things where it just gets 
like pulled apart, right? It comes undone at the seams, whether you whether we want to put responsibility some responsibility with capitalism, put some responsibility with like change cultures and making sure they're safe. But um I don't even for you're concerned about these rites of passage, right? You're saying that um, kids have and how it's important for development. This has a little bit to deal with like um, the what we've been talking about with like the velvet rage, because it has to do with having challenging experiences. Like being scared is okay sometimes and dealing with weird things and, and the unknown is important. So right. I agree. So what, what, what Jeremy what is referencing is, and I, I hope by the way, you're sort of breaking up on this end. I hope that when this gets uploaded, um, it doesn't, it, you aren't broken up too much. But what Jeremy is talking about is while I we were know, on, <laughs> when uh, we were on our break, we were talking about um, something that happened to me recently in town, it was today, and I was going to the gym, and I noticed that there was all these trick-or-treaters, which was strange, because it was noon, and this went on to like 2 or 3 p.m., not a.m., and it was just really strange that there was all these trick-or-treaters with their parents in the middle of the day. Now, what I finally figured out is that they do this like special trick-or-treating day so that like to go to the shops in town on main street and people go to trick-or-treat there and one of the women that was with their kids was like well i spent all the money on these costumes so we try to go to all the trick-or-treating things that we can which i mean okay that's fair but yeah. my reaction was ah these kids feel like they're getting robbed of of a real special experience which is getting to trick-or-treat at night with minimal supervision. And I think that trick-or-treating and Halloween is a real rite of passage for kids for their, yeah. uh, you know, to be independent and also to uh, acknowledge and face fears, which is really special. It's also, I, meant, I, I said it earlier today, it's like sort of, in a way, like a vision quest without the acid for kids. So and yeah. I, I, I asked her, as, and she did confirm that they are yeah, going to yeah, do, yeah. they're going to do a regular oh, Halloween at night in Shelbyville. But I don't know, it just didn't sit right with me. Um, do you have any like special uh, experience? Oh, like the consumer, the consumerism of, yeah. consumerism of uh, Halloween because um like i said in the previous uh iteration of the subject i didn't get halloween as a kid because as a conservative fan in the pittsburgh area um we hit out at the church or we hit out with curtains drawn and uh living room lights out um because it was of the devil and unfortunately that's how some of my family still feels uh to this day but as a pagan and a witch i agree like that it was part of the overprotection of of parent family and church that like we're always protecting ourselves from our fears and like you gotta face them it's like an archetypal part of the scorpio part of the year for the northern hemisphere at least is that you is that you face your fears and that you can embody them and then take it off and you can have a relationship with your fears that is not um controlling you but you and it are working and synthesizing and integrating it's so also an I important social it's also an important social experience because Meeting you're your out neighbors meeting your neighbors, but also like you're out with your friends on sort of like this scavenger hunt for candy. And yeah. it's this, I feel like it's like this important teamwork exercise where you're going out into the world hunting something essentially. And it's a kind of a prim primal, yeah. primitive 
experience and you yeah and you don't know what you're going to get when you get to the house and uh the jack-o-lanterns and the and the decorations and uh yeah i just hope i have any i just hope that with i mean i understand parents fears and you know they don't want their kids to get lost or anything but i don't want this to become like a hypoallergenic holiday you know exactly yeah yeah like that's the same thing this is a, a a funny like version of the onion ring that deals with like don't be hypoallergenic and don't be afraid of some bacteria and some germs that mm-hmm. if your body if your body has a certain amount of immunopower it's going to be able to it's going to be able to fend with it and deal with it the same thing with our psyche and our mental emotional world if we're able to um deal with a certain amount of fear bacteria right or or have a certain tolerance for uh, challenges and confronting scary things then when those things become adult things right then we have um we have more we have more strength yeah we have a higher tolerance to things that we are exposed um, to inner support and inner yeah um, and that's like, that's literally something within biology. If you're exposed, if someone yeah. lives a lifestyle that's too clean and hypoallergenic, they're not exposed to things which will give them higher immunity. You know, that's just how it is. And it's the same with these sort of social exercises for kids, like Halloween, where a kid's going out, like I said, you know, usually they either A, when they're younger, go out with a parent, the parent will stay at the corner and the kid will go up to the house and trick or treat and come back, or they'll go out alone with their other young friends. And it's this exercise that they go through, which I think builds a lot of important characteristics on how to be out and about on your own. You know, yeah. and if you don't develop those skills when you're younger with these exercises that are facilitated by holidays like that, then you're going to go and, you know, your kid's going to leave home and move to the city and they're not going to know how to fucking like. And then insular you know, video game version, card, you know, mm-hmm. an mm-hmm. insular video game version, mm-hmm. right? You're it's in, you're in the perfect. Yeah. A virtual reality of the the world where things come and go as you please, and oof, that's a that's a tough one. I agree, I agree. And you know what? Let's queer up this conversation. That like yeah. you know, uh, the 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 combo hybrid of like Velvet Rage and Halloween is that Halloween is such a queer holiday because it's it outside we can rebel. We can revel in the whole spectrum of monsters and genders and, and babies first time and in booger drag and um, also going out and and getting to a liminal, like a very borderline on the verge of whatever kind of space. So it's a precious, um, it's a precious sacred thing for me as a queer and as a witch. Yeah, it's and a lot of people's first experience of being able to uh, sort of subvert. create, subvert, and create their own identities that can yeah. be whatever they want, and it's accepted as such. Yeah, yeah, and that's why it's a lot of society. a lot of people's first time trying drag as well is because yeah. it's a it's universally accepted. There's no fear because it's Halloween; you can do whatever you want. Right, and then writing really... it to making ster- sterile sterilizing. It is really scary to me. Yeah. yeah. The sterilization is an imperial is an imperial force by which like it it has a predictability and a consistency to it. Mm-hmm. Because empires don't like guerrilla warfare. They don't like unpredictability amongst the communities they're trying to suppress and oppress. Right? So carnival in European society, right? The winter season of carnival mm-hmm. was a way of giving people a certain time to let off steam during the winter if it wasn't too cold. But in the cold, in the Northern European um, cultures from which, you know, we both have ancestors, between October and, and May is when it gets cold. So you have one last chance to go out amongst the community 
and do these rituals and community ceremonies by which you all come to a certain consensus about what's going on in the community. Mm-hmm. And you're able to like tap into some deep, yeah, like you said, it's like a vision quest. And, and for me, like the vision quest is, well, now it's sugar, which is a drug, <laughs> but there were other things that expanded your consciousness so that you could go out and actually tap into something that could be very powerful, transformative and healing. Mm-hmm. So I believe in the power of Halloween. Sharon would appreciate me saying that. Sharon approved. Sharon approved. Ding. Not that I need her damned approval. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what you, so Sam, do you want to tell me about your um, Halloween fantasy? My Halloween fantasy? I was off of like getting yeah, fucked by a bunch of werewolves fantasy, or I was like what off. kind of fantasy Ooh. you're talking about. Oh dang. Either have or. you ever let's seen that? Have you ever seen let's that talk meme? About deep dive Halloween fantasies. I saw I saw the meme with the twink skeleton and a Versace or whatever it was. There's like a you know what a furry um, is, right? A jock strap. Yeah. You know, fur, yeah, there's like a, a furry meme where it's like um, like an expectation reality one about like a bunch of werewolves <laughs> and it's like expectation where it's like it was super sexy and it's like reality is like oh shit this is like really not a good idea <laughs> oh is it a bunch, a bunch of furries like yeah, all half suffocated on top of each other so, just like getting completely trashed no oh. I, just, I, th- I think the, I think the meme is more just like the reality of like a bunch of like sexy werewolves probably would be very lethal. <laughs> oh right, right. Those those deep those deep deep hungers go. You know, deep, Halloween's deep. a weird one for me though because I always have very grand ideas of what I want to do for Halloween, similar to when we go to expectation and then reality. Yes, expectation reality. Similar to when we go to our uh, fairy gathering in the spring, where a lot yeah. of people dress up for May Day. Uh, yeah. Usually I'm pretty successful because I plan out my May Day costumes well in advance, but Halloween is always last minute. So, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. that's the magic of like it being real, right? Whether it's drag or costume and improv- improvised performance rituals and ceremonies, like. That I'm, I'm very, I'm ensconced. I'm, I'm, I'm wrapped up in that tradition of performance and drag because it's like I don't know what I'm gonna do, and and, and just it has to take time to like, um, kind of, kind of ferment and foment and, and be in the alchemical cauldron of my psyche before it comes out. And sometimes if you force it by other means, it doesn't exactly go there. And mm-hmm. you don't to give muscle memory to a performance that's not going to be sincere. So that heightened, that heightened dynamic, volatile element of okay, some things are going to be left till nearly until the performance happens. Like I have a great time being a assistant boy in the heels of hell. Um, I get to be a mask. Um, Gaga paparazzi. You looked great in that that little leotard, by the way. Thanks. You want me to bring a bring a bring a leotard in the next time? Oh, please do. I look great. I think it was like a little gold leotard for the Gaga performance. Yeah, the 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 onesie, the Mm -hmm. mask, the yeah. It's a very kind of weird. Eyes wide shut. There's a church, but a church, is it a wedding and then a masquerade or some some fucked up, uh, fucked up institutional religion ceremony? And she is sacrificed. And you know it 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 weirds me out. But I also go. I think we need to see these stories. And again, we need to like be like, oh, that really creeped me out. Or like, oh yeah, yeah. There's creepy rituals that happen in society. And it's funny that like, I too, like someone just posted on Instagram that I think Justin, who almost never goes on Periscope is Alaska, but Alaska and I were having like a Periscope moment way back when we were kind of having our 
returned to LA Fantasies in 2014. Mm-hmm. And we, I did a ukulele version of Paparazzi. I remember that. I, ha- I think I saw that where you were um, playing musical. People were requesting music. Much like we did it today, out. I had to, but not really. Again, I had to figure out that performance. My version, I had to figure out my version of the performance on the fly. It's like, oh yeah, it's such an easy pop song, but I don't listen to Gaga like like uh, Alaska and, and, and Sharon did and, and Lola and Nick. Like right. I, I've, I've met her twice. It was very brief, but lovely. Um, she's, a, she's an artist where I appreciate the movement, but I also only appreciate particular songs. Some of them do it for me, some of them don't. Um, I think if someone just handed me a, a career and, and said, hey, do what you want, I could probably- Do what you want with my career. Do what you want, what you want with my career. Do what you want, do what you want with this money. Do what you want, do what you want with this budget and this venue. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> sorry. It's never gonna happen sorry. here, me. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> Stephanie. I, um, I, that was totally out of tune, but I felt good about it. <laughs> I but, actually you know, do think like, there is. She has a beautiful, yeah. deeply archetypal imagery. I really appreciated the Bay Monster EP. I appreciated um, a lot of her work. I sort of. Um, and it's very this Halloween. It's a little off topic, but it is very Halloween um, I sort of fell out with Miss, Miss Gaga after Born This Way because I was living in New York oh. City at the time. And the amount of advertisement for that album was suffocating. She had a subway car with the album sprawled across it with the interior too on the S shuttle going from, uh, the, um, going to 40th Street uh, and Lexington going over to Times Square. It was just all yeah. Lady Gaga. And I was like, this is a little much for me. Um, yeah. but yeah, I love her all earlier work, especially. Yeah, but isn't it funny? I do see a through line with what we're talking about in terms of our last topic and the Halloween one, which yeah. is, um, it's all about sort of identity. And I think mm-hmm. what we were previously talking about is the expectations that someone has about how you project your, uh, project yourself, how you look, how you yeah. act, how you're feeling. And uh, and the negatives about that, the negatives about having to conform to what a, what a culture is saying about how you're supposed to be looking and acting. And then on the other side of it, it's, hey, you can have a complete departure from who you normally are for this one day, and you are being given permission to explore all different facets of yourself. So I think the parallels of those two things are very interesting. Yeah, the, the the masquerade, actually, right? The way mm-hmm. whether we feel like we're kind of pushed or forced to put on masks so that, like, when we're in a public, you know, public and um, a sort of societal, uh, we have to gauge and engage with societies that keep on just propping up bullshit. I'm really looking forward to future episodes where it's like, Let's get down to the let's get down to some kind of fundamental bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, I I want to I want to smash some of the idols because like do it. it's 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 kind of a Promethean job. Do you know the story of Prometheus? It's kind of a cool myth. Prometheus gave fire to humans and empowered humans against the um the Olympian um. He stole, he stole fire and gave it to the people, the, the, the humans, right. right? And then he was punished. Well, because they knew that buzzards eat his guts forever, right? Uh-huh. Was it, is yeah. it buzzards? Oh, is it? Oh, know. is that, it might be. It, it might be. But right, that like, that, that the, the cool segue to future episodes, which I'm really excited about, is this idea of the gods, and the um, the intrinsic hierarchical formation of class and roles and jobs in society, and um, that so much of it is just based on this foolish, outdated, and seriously um, life disaffirming idea that um, 
there's someone who deserves to be in some position because they're better than you. Where does this better than you? Where the fuck does this divine right come from? I'm really obsessed with this idea. I think it's going to be the next um, CD or it's mm. going to be the next album. And if whether it's an EP or an album, we've yet to see. But I'm obsessed with this idea of divine right because we're breaking down so many of these things. So why, why are people just putting up the, the position that they're better than us to do whatever it is that they do. I mean, there's, a, it, there's always a push and pull though. You know, two steps forward, one step back. People are always Unless going, it's a volcano, Sam, unless it's a tsunami. <laughs> when there's a radical shift, things are never the same. That's true. Right? So I think this is a good um, teaser for future episodes. This can go in a lot of different directions. I think it's important because we're getting into holiday season. We get into a lot of traditions and finding out what traditions are healthy for us, right? Yeah. And finding out what traditions are just bullshit and we can let go of, and also be an open, um, compassionate um, uh, person when it comes to, like, this tradition is not for me, but it's not harming anyone, so you go ahead and do it. Like, there's a lot of balance and a lot of... Uh, um, respecting compassionate diplomacy around the, the things called traditions, right? Right. So I'm looking forward to um, exploring that. Me too. I think that's an awesome place to end today's episode and say yeah. goodbye to our wonderful listeners with that Thank little you, teaser of what's to come. Mm -hmm. There'll be volcanoes oh, 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 oh. and we're gonna explode. It's, it's gonna be Scorpio season, y'all. And don't get me started. I love Scorpio season. Down, dark, the hidden recesses of the psyche or whatever it is that you wanna get deep down into. Ooh, deep, <laughs> deep, right. deep friend of the pod. Deep. Friend of our podcast. Uh -huh. Thank you all. And until the next episode, we wish you a wonderful, lovely week, weekend, and uh, future time until you come back to the present with us. We bid you adieu. Adieu. Bye bye. Bye bye, bye. now. Bye bye. Bye bye now. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. bye, -bye. bye, -bye.